0: genuinely can't tell if that's good hey 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 what is up oh, it's Aiden Jones here and you are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 9th of November 2021 how are you guys you doing good I hope you're doing well man um, I'm sorry the podcast is a day late this week but it's been a day early the last few weeks so I feel like you know I don't know. I just you know, I don't I was about to start being like aggressive and being like so I feel like fuck you suck shit. But I don't feel like that. I feel really good. I feel like I'm in a great mood. It's nighttime. It's 11:30, 11:27 p.m. on Wednesday evening at the moment actually, but the podcast is for Tuesday the 9th of November 2021. Um I guess uh, I mean how are you guys? <laughs> I hope you're good. Um, the podcast is late because I don't know. I just I felt busy. I forgot actually uh, yesterday in the morning. No, when did I feel? I forgot to do it on Monday night, or I couldn't, and then I was supposed to do it yesterday, and I just you know didn't. And then the, I was going to do it this morning. I woke up and I like had a call from someone, and I forgot. I just forgot. And then I left the house, and I realized that like like midday or something that I hadn't done, it. and I was like, oh no. I never forget the podcast, it annoyed me actually, I was writing my diary for the day and I realised I hadn't done my podcast yet and I was like, no, I didn't do it, I'm letting down all of my 54 friends, um, but I posted a picture on the Instagram today at sitting under podcast of me gripping a pen uh, with my upper lip against my nose, um, I like doing that, it feels nice, the pen's just like resting there, you know, it feels safe um, and it reminds me of, uh, did you guys ever watch Blackadder, the show Blackadder, uh, Rowan Atkinson, of Mr. Bean fame, um, some show from like the 80s, and there's a, there's an episode of the show, uh, each different season was set in a different period in time, and there was one set in the First World War, and the whole thing is like Rowan Atkinson's character, Blackadder is like a, you know, he used to be like, he was like a highborn stock and then he uh, has fallen down so he's like not very high up in the army and there's just like his idiot sidekick and all the other people in the whole that season when they're in the trenches they're like trying to not get put over the top of the trench to go and do the final assault on the enemy so they're finding different ways to try and get out of having to do that. And there's an episode where they uh, decide they're going to do like an entertainment thing, they're going to be like a you know like a variety act all of them in the trenches so that they don't have to charge. They can just tour around and uh, they have to impress the um, colonel, I think. And the first time the colonel sees them, it's like there's like uh, some guy dressed as a woman who like the colonel falls in love with because he doesn't realize it's a man dressed as a woman. He thinks it's a woman and he like loves her. And so he like sees the whole act but he sees it through the lens of a man who's in love with this woman, so he loves everything. And one of the characters, Baldrick the idiot, the sidekick man, does um, a Charlie Chaplin impression. And his Charlie Chaplin impression is he doesn't have a moustache, so he gets a slug. <laughs> and he just like balances it on his upper lip. <laughs> yeah. So that's the moustache and then he like does a Charlie Chaplin impression and the fucking colonel sees the show and he's loving everything and he's like, that was great and that was great and and the slug balancer was incredible. (laughs) And then, you know, they realize he's falling in love with this lady and that's, like, not a position that, that you know, they can't give him the lady because it's not a real lady. It's a man dressed as a lady. So they make up this story about how she died or some shit and then the the colonel sees the show the second time when they're going to, like, show him again so that, that he'll take them on tour but the lady's gone and he's like, no, the show's nothing without her. It was awful and that this, it was bad and that was bad and even the slug balancer just looked like he was doing a bad Charlie Chaplin impression And uh, it's the best part in that episode. And it's one of the most memorable parts of the whole season, I reckon, is Baldrick... Being the slug balancer. (laughs) And uh, I'm always reminded of that whenever I put a pencil in between my upper lip and my nose. It's quite nostalgic. I remember my mum really liked that part of the show. She would always like laugh and then be like, how funny is the slug balancer? (laughs) And she's right. It is. You know, I can't fault her on that. I go, you know, mum's got a lot of problems. (laughs) but. But one thing that she knows is uh, when there's a good joke in black at her and, you know, she's now, yet again, she's showing her prowess in identifying those. Hold up, i got to have a sip of my little tea here. Oh, yes, perfect. I just had a cigarette, naughty. Um, I'm feeling really good, man. I was just thinking as I set my laptop up now to do the podcast and I'm like plugging in my little thing to split the power in between the laptop and the microphone and plug the aux power in so that I get the microphone set up and whatever, all of my stuff. And I'm like, I just got home from my gigs and I was like pottering around the room and, you know, putting my jacket and stuff away and get, I'm, I've am got a blanket on me. My lovely throw from Jason Parker who uh, is an artist based in Melbourne who did this beautiful... It's called Life Cycle. It's like the life cycle of a a sunflower. Um, If you're on my uh, personal Instagram and you've seen the photos I've taken of my room, this is the throw that I have on my bed. And I took it off my bed and I'm currently sitting on my beautiful mid-century modern Danish wooden chair with my lovely life cycle throw over my lap like an old you know, woman, but instead of a cat, it's a microphone, and I will die with this microphone, do you reckon my microphone is kind of like old women's cats, you know, like the microphone slowly devours me alive until when I die, and they find me, they don't find my body, they just find a just a, <laughs> a guilty looking microphone sitting on a chair, <laughs> like burping, burping up fucking small bits of ribcage and bones and stuff, anyway, I'm sitting here with my throw and uh as I was setting up for the podcast I was just thinking I feel really happy at the moment. I feel like I have a lot of good people around me. Um I just uh when I got home from the gig I went outside and my housemate was there with their best friend who I've heard a lot about but I've not met and I met their best friends and you know that was lovely. She seems like a lovely person and that was nice. Uh I met um today at the the second show that I did I did two shows tonight both were great um I'm feeling like uh I've got a few new jokes that are kind of working you know um there's one thing about like what if women what if every what if guns were legal but only for women you know and I guess I was talking about that actually with Reese Nicholson um at Comedy Republic like I did the bit at Comedy Republic the first gig tonight and um Reese said that he really liked it, which felt good because he's a great comic and it was nice to get a bit of props from him. And then we were talking about the bit and uh, just breaking down, I guess, the idea of the bit being that it's like about empowering women, you know. It's like it's an absurd solution to a an important problem, the problem being that women are maybe powerless or not as empowered as they could be in our society and um my solution to that problem is that they uh be given guns because a gun is like i guess it stands for power in some sort of metaphorical way but it's not actual real power but the the idea being like oh he's smart enough to have identified the problem that women aren't empowered enough but he's still so stupid that uh his solution is to, to give them guns rather than actually increasing their agency in society. So that's funny, isn't it? Not when you say it like that, but when you do the bit <laughs> and, uh, and all of its attendant jokes, uh, they're in. Why am I trying to talk smart? Stop it. <sighs> yeah, we were talking about that. Uh, Reese, and um, some of the other crew there. I don't know, we just kind of broke it down. It's interesting to think about the bit. Like I've got two jokes. The jokes for the bit uh, that are working are one, imagining like we'd have to teach women how to use guns. So when men are in sex ed, uh, women go to the firing range in school and they like get on a bus and go to the firing range and shoot silhouettes of men, you know, looking threatening. Ha, 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 bang, 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 bang. And then the other one is um, if – you know on on the news sometimes you see like a coup in a third world country and there's all men on the streets firing guns in the air and that would be our society when uh like there's a, a an important astrological event women would be out on the streets all excited blocking traffic shooting their guns in the air and that's kind of funny um the idea there being that like women would get excited about things like a coup is something that men get excited about and then what do women get excited about? Well, they love astrology, don't they? The chicks. So uh, let's put that in there. <laughs> um, I'm having a lot of fun with that bit, which is cool. And um, talking to Reese about it gave me, I guess, like maybe an idea of where I can take the bit outside of that. Um, I've also got another bit about the, that guy that I was talking about a few weeks ago at work who was short. Um I didn't do that bit tonight, but uh, what bits did I do tonight? Oh, I did two. Yeah, I did two kind of bits that are not old, but they're, they're new bits that I've kind of already bedded in. And then I did do that gun bit as well. Um, I've got the story about the short guy. That was her, I met this uh, other new comic at the, at the second gig that I did who was just really cool. We had a lovely chat and uh, she noticed this, like she she's taller than me and I guess tall for a woman. And I mentioned that a couple of times, and then I mentioned that I was filling in for Ben Knight, was supposed to headline the gig, and but instead it was me. And she saw that on the lineup and mentioned it. And I was like, "Yeah, you know, they would have had a, a tall, broad, you know, beautiful man." And she was like, "You've mentioned that you have mentioned height a few times now. You're quite insecure about your height, aren't you?" And it really, she really picked me apart on that. And um, fuck, I'm like, maybe I am insecure about my height. Am I? I don't think I am. I mean, I guess I am kind of short and I don't know. I'm not super short, but as soon as I start, there we go. As soon as I start justifying, I'm not that short. It's It uh, feels like I'm just, you know, maybe I am insecure about my height. Is that something that I want to grapple with and understand? I don't know. I I like to think that maybe my height in terms of like how I, perceived by women, you know, maybe, uh, being with a taller woman would be, uh, what's the word like intimidating, you know, maybe I don't think that I can do that, but it's just a number man height. It's not important. I don't know. It is a weird thing, isn't it? Like a guy has to be with a woman who's shorter or the same height as him because, we're just told that the man has to be taller and and we internalize that and I've definitely internalized that. I do, I feel uncomfortable thinking romantically about a woman who's taller than me. Um, Yeah, I feel, it just immediately, it's weird. It, it, I think maybe it like immediately kind of discounts that person in my head as like a possible romantic partner, which is crazy because that's not what makes you, you know, fall in love with someone, how tall they are. And I'm just – I'm cutting all – maybe I should fucking – maybe they should put height on Tinder so I could set my height. Maybe they should put height on Tinder. You know what? That's a part of it though is that a lot of women on Tinder talk about how they don't want a short dude. They only want a tall guy. And on Hinge, there's an option to put your height there. It's like acknowledging that people find height important. And I I mean I've – you know, I find height important or – I find height important on a like emotional level. Like I just feel that it is important, but logically I know it's actually not important. But there's still something about the idea of being with a taller woman that is just uncomfortable, intimidating. Yes, but m- more than that, just uncomfortable. It feels, you know, emasculating, which is scary. Maybe I should face up to that. But then I don't want to fetishize tall women. You know, I don't want to be like, all right. I'm only banging talls now. <laughs> I'm gonna get me the tallest woman that ever lived. <laughs> you can't do that. Cause then again, you're just putting weight on the fucking on the tall thing. You're just putting height front and center in the conversation again. You know, maybe I just ignore it or try and ignore it and not bring it up. But then are they thinking about, it? I don't know, it's a weird thing. It just seems easier to just with someone who's shorter than me. <laughs> like it just feels like, you know, why 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 try and push the shit uphill? <laughs> because there's plenty of cool chicks that are shorter than me. There's plenty of cool chicks that are taller than me. There's plenty of cool chicks that are, of cool chicks that are the same height as me. Uh <laughs> not as many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Height. Maybe I'm insecure about my height. Maybe that's what I discovered. Maybe that would be an interesting direction to take the bit about the guy who was insecure about his height. Like maybe he's made me realize that I'm insecure about my height and I resent him for that. And so that's why I want to make fun of him for being bullied in school about being short. I don't know. I don't want to try and fucking workshop bits on the podcast. This isn't a writing session. This is a podcast and it's very important and special. And thank you guys for listening. What did I do today? Oh man, I got my taping this week. That's what's going on. I'm taping the special on Friday. Tickets are sold out. Done. Bus. So exciting. Um, I've uh, been emailing. It's so crazy. Like some people bought tickets back in July and, uh, you know, it's been postponed so many times that I'm worried that those people forgot that they even had tickets. And, uh, it was like 20 something people brought tickets for July or 20 something tickets were sold for July. And then I sent an, an email out about the new date and um, you know, some people replied to that, but some people didn't. So I personally emailed people that hadn't replied just saying, Hey, you still coming? And some people replied to that, but one person who bought two tickets still hasn't replied. And I'm just thinking I might refund their tickets just to be sure. But then that feels kind of rude, you know, like maybe, I don't know, maybe I just will refund their tickets and give the two tickets to someone else. But then if they show up, I'll just ask really nicely to the people to see if we can get two extra people in. I shouldn't say that on the podcast. No, you know what? I'm not going to do that because that's illegal and it's important that we follow the rules. Yeah. I'm excited about the the taping, man. I'm so excited. I did the uh, tech run yesterday with the guys from Stupid Old Studios went in there and um, and fucking, you know, did the background. The background took so long. We did like an hour on just trying to figure out what the background for the shot's going to be because I had an idea and I had put this image that I took when I was in country New South Wales. I put it on Google Deep Dream. And I thought it looked good, but evidently the picture wasn't in, like, a high enough resolution. So when we um, when we um, put it on the big screens behind me, it just looked all pixelated and fucked. So we're like, all right, let's get, like, different pictures. And we were trying to get one that's kind of similar. And we tried a bunch of different ones, and they didn't look quite right. And I was very fussy. But I think we found a good one. Took about an hour. I just think, like... I mean, I've listened to so many comics on podcasts over the years, years on from their first special, or taping, or whatever the fuck we're going to call it, and then they look back, and there's always these silly kind of aesthetic choices that don't actually impact the thing that much, but they are still important. I think about Stuart Lee's 41st Best Stand-Up, when during the special, he has... um, he like makes reference to the image that's behind him. You know, do you want a backdrop? Yeah, what do you got? I oh, just a sort of bad acid image of your face. Um, he says that on the special, but then that's always confused me because the background is just—it's just like a blue swirl. It's not a bad acid image of his face. It's just a blue swirl. So I don't know what's going on there, but anyway. I don't know. I just listen to a bunch of comedians and it always seems like those choices about the clothes that you, I'm thinking about the clothes that I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear Casey from a few weeks ago on the pod. Um, She made some shirts of her fairy bread, Dan Andrews, and I got one of those shirts today and I've promised I'm going to wear that if I get a free shirt, you (sighs) know, so that's sick and got that off of her today Uh, i'm thinking about that i'm thinking about like am i going to wear pants like chinos black chinos or am i going to wear my jeans i'll bring both i'll see how they look on camera um i might bring like a couple jackets see if i want a jacket yeah it's like the show's already but i still am just fussing over the little details because i just want it to be perfect um i also know that it's not going to be perfect i know that It's just going to be whatever it's going to be. And regardless of what choices I make, in a few years I will look back at it and be like, ugh, why did I do that? But it feels like maybe right now I don't have any control over how it's going to go and that's scary. So I'm trying to control as many small aspects of it as I can in the lead up to the taping to make myself feel like I'm still in control. And it's like I'm not. I'm not in control at all. I'm just... You know, I'm going to tape the special and that's great. And it's going to happen. People are going to come. The people who are going to come are going to come. Probably some people won't come because that's what people are like and that's fine. You know, and we'll do the show and the show will be great. Everyone will be very supportive. I know the show. I've done it as much as I can. And it's just, I've put all the work in. I just have to do it now. But in between now and then, I will be just kind of stressing over the little things. Um, I had a really good chat actually with the guys filming it because. I guess we were just talking about like, you know, they were asking me if I want to like reshoot any things, if any stuff happens, do I want to be able to reshoot? Like if a joke doesn't land or if a thing is weird or whatever, and I'm I'm really against that. I don't want to reshoot stuff. I don't want to stage anything. I don't want to, you know, pretend like the, the night went a certain way just because we're filming it. I think it should be, it's not like a fucking TV show or like a glitzy, glamorous thing, it doesn't need to be overproduced, I want it to be an honest representation of just this particular show that I'm doing, and I'm telling a story and doing jokes that I've done, you know, hundreds of times before, but this particular show is different, all of the shows are different, every show is different, and and you're in the moment, and you're there with the audience, and you're, you know, That's what comedy is. You're in the moment and you're collaborating together as a performer in the audience to create this thing and this feeling in the room. And I just want the cameras and the mics to capture that so that I can put that on YouTube to show people, hey, look, this is what my shows are like because that's the whole purpose of shooting a special is it's an ad for people to see and then buy tickets to see me live. That's what this is. So anyway, when they were asking me about reshoots, I was like, I don't want to do that. And I also said, you know, maybe there'll be moments in the show where the lighting is weird or if I'm out of shot or whatever. I mean, there's three cameras. I shouldn't be out of shot. But if I am or if I'm going over one side of the stage and that's weird or whatever, I want them to call out in the middle of the show and say like, hey, Aiden, you know, this is wrong. Don't do that or do this or whatever if that's going to affect the taping. And then if that happens, I want to leave that moment in the final cut because I, those kind of things, you know, stuff will go wrong maybe. And if it does, I don't want to have to feel like, well, if something's gone wrong, that's like ruined the entire thing. That shouldn't be the case. So, um, and the reason that that's good and important to know that we can do that is so that on the night, like, cause there's a lot of pressure It's $5,500 that I'm spending on this just to get it filmed, 5.25. I don't want to misrepresent the good people at stupid old studios and say that they're charging more than they are. They're not. They're charging very reasonable rates. It's very good. But there's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of money, you know. I know it's a lot of money. They know it's a lot of money. The audience know it's a lot of money. None of us want to fuck it up. But if we are sitting in the room with all of that pressure and it's not being mentioned or or like dealt with, it's going to affect the show and it's going to make the show weird and the show doesn't need to be weird. And my job as the performer and the focal point for the evening is to make sure that people don't feel weird in my show. So... Yeah, I'm saying to these guys like don't worry if something feels like it's about to go wrong or if it has gone wrong Just tell me just say so in the moment Because it'll be funny And then the audience and i'll tell the audience and i'll let them in on the joke and we'll all be in on this fucking joke together That's good We're all on the same team, you know And if I do that like the people filming it won't feel as much pressure I won't feel as much pressure The audience needs to not be feeling pressure because if they're feeling pressure, they're not going to laugh they're going to be all weird. It's like no no one needs to be under pressure. It's going to be sweet. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to shooting it. Everyone this week, I mean, I'm talking about it a lot, you know, just in conversations and whatever, and everyone's been very supportive. The Melbourne comedy community, I'm feeling like I'm getting a lot of love from the comedy community for like, you know, deciding to do this and I'm doing it and, People are excited for me. People are wishing me good luck. It feels really good. It feels really good. I feel like this is a good thing that I'm doing. And it's just, it's been a long build up, man. Like, I've been thinking about, um, I guess, reflecting on the last few months, you know, like since I put the special in the diary originally, since I decided to do it and paid the money initially, me and my girlfriend broke up. And, that's that's been shit it's been really hard i miss her a lot still and um i just think about like yeah i'll talk about this when we broke up like that was one you know we spent like just three hours in bed together just crying and um that was one of the things that she was like, you know, I'm not going to be there when you tape your special. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to be there, you know. I'm like, it's going to be a nice night and uh, everyone's going to be really supportive. And then at the end of the night, I'm going to go home by myself and I just want someone to be there who understands what it means to me. And like, yeah, that was just a really sad thing to know that she wouldn't be there. And me filming it this week, I'm gonna be. I'm thinking about her, you know, and I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about the fact that she's still not here, and um, I wish she was. But then also, like everything else that's happened in the intervening three to four months since I decided to do this, like we've been through that lockdown, you know, and I've fucking I've been past my ten year anniversary of doing comedy. I've moved house. Um, I feel like I've kind of put a lot of stuff that was really eating me up for the last like a year or year and a half or so, I've really kind of put a lot of stuff to bed and I feel like I'm moving forward in a really good direction in the best direction that I've been in since the start of this pandemic. And this special taping, I mean, it's arbitrary and it doesn't actually mean all of these things that I'm going to, you know, the meanings that I'm going to give to it. It doesn't actually mean all of those things inherently. It's just me recording a show, but it just feels like an important moment because it's an important moment in my career as a comic and as an artist and whatever. I think I'm like, all right, well, if it's an important moment, like let me fucking load it up with meaning, you know, and let me try and use it as a bit of a fucking clean break, like a full stop to draw an end on, uh, to draw an end on, to, to fucking make an ending out of this one kind of phase of my life and then go like, all right, from then onwards, I'm moving in a different direction. So, um, yeah, it feels very important like that. And I I think, I guess I, I feel like I'm fucking philosophizing a little much right now, but I think it's not often that in your life that you get those moments, first of all, but that you get those moments and you know, like ahead of time, like you have a feeling that it's going to be important, you know, like often you, you feel, you know what, today I had a call from a a producer of a podcast that I'm hopefully going to be on. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the podcast, but they do stories and she was calling me about maybe doing uh, an episode on meeting my biological father, and she said she met. Uh, she. Met <laughs> Why do I start sentences without actually thinking of what I'm trying to say in the sentence? I just go. <laughs> I just go like, give me a word, and then we'll fucking try and <laughs> try and make do with that. That's so typical of how I am in my life generally. You know, I don't plan things; I just fucking start. and then deal with the consequences the start of this sentence and this story about this podcast producer does not begin with the word i met it begins with the word uh, or she met it begins with she listened she listened to my podcasts from a few years ago Fernando part one and part two from the the week before and the week after i met my biological father for the first time in vienna and um Yeah, she had listened to those, I guess, to get a bit of background on the story to see if she wanted to have me on the podcast and then she emailed me and I called her and we talked about it and she had just listened to those episodes. But for me, I mean, I haven't listened to them since I did them, you know, since I I just said those things and then fucking pressed stop on the recording and put them online and I haven't listened to them since. And that was me two and a half years ago. That was September 2019 so that's like a pretty fucking different cunt to the one you're listening to right now. How funny is it to say the word cunt all the time? (laughs) Um, but that was a moment that I knew was important going up to it. And then it happened and it was important, you know, and that I think that moment and that summer in the, in Europe was like a big catalyst for change for me that I talk about a lot on the podcast. And, um, this filming the special is like another moment that I know is a big moment in my career and in my life and um, I'm aware of it before it's going to happen. But like other moments, you know, like COVID or fucking, I don't know, the fires or like they're just big events that happen in any of our lives, often you don't realize that they're coming. They just happen and then you look back and you're like, fuck, that was important. But this for me feels like it is going to be important undeniably and um and it's like it's approaching now um i'm also just kind of you know i'm sick of being sad about missing my ex and um i'm sick of being you know whatever i just like the lockdowns and everything you know it's been hard and uh i'm sick of feeling like i'm still in that moment so i'm looking for something to kind of give myself a clean break to then move forward into the next moment So I reckon there's a little bit of me imbuing it with its significance and then a little bit of it actually having real significance as well. Anyway, so I'm shooting my special next week and that might be all I want to say to be honest. The next day after I shoot the special, I've made sure of this, the very next day, so I'm shooting on the 12th, the Friday, and on the very next day I'm doing my first trial for the new show, Passing Time, at Bobby Peels in North Melbourne. And uh, that is free, by the way. The thirteenth of uh, the thirteenth of November, Bobby Peel's at six PM. Come through. I'm doing my trial, and then Peter Jones is doing a trial of his new show, Peter Jones Cannot Fail. Um, we're doing back to back trials, and I mean, shooting the special. You know, it's like I've been doing this show for like two years. I've been doing parts of it for a very long time and some of the jokes, especially some of the older jokes, are starting to feel a little bit stale, like maybe my perspective has kind of developed a bit more since those bits and um, I'm really excited to to throw it all out and to start working on the new hour and as soon as I record it, it's fucking gone, man. And uh, I just I fucking can't wait to start to – man, the gigs I did tonight, like the new bits that I have, some of them are really good already. I think they're really good. I think there's something... There's enough in there to at least open and close a show. Um. Yeah. I think that's it, man. It's 11.59pm uh, now. It's almost midnight. I guess I'll fucking go past midnight. That'd be nice, won't it? Thank you if you're listening to everyone who has bought tickets to the special, to everyone who's hung out and waited for the last few months, to everyone who remembers that they bought tickets and didn't forget... And uh, is still coming. I really appreciate it, man. This is a, a big thing for me and I'm excited to have you in there. To everyone who's listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening for the last four years. Long may it continue. And uh, to everyone in Melbourne comedy, we're fucking doing it man. We're all. It's midnight. Thank you guys very much. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.